Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week we cover business topics to help you grow your full-time business or your side hustle. We'll also bring you interviews from a variety of people winning in their space to share valuable business insights and life lessons. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a full-time content creator running FixThisBuildThat.com, and my co-host John Malecki runs a full-time furniture company and his content site, JohnMalecki.com. We've been growing our successful businesses online, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 75. Now, we all know that machine learning is a very real thing, thanks to that fiasco with Skynet back in 97. But in today's world, how do robots factor into your business? <laughs> okay, I'm not talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger-shaped T-800s here. We're talking CNC's, 3D printers, and laser machines. Uh, by the way, if you're too young to get those references, Terminator is a great movie to watch over the holidays. We've seen a lot of shops, large and small, using CNC's to help increase their productivity. We're going to talk through it today about the pros and the cons, as well as our experiences with these machines, as we've both had a little bit of different CNC uh, experience. But before we get going, we do want to thank all of our current members of the MFP Patron Tribe. Uh, yet today, this week again, we did not have any new patron members, uh, but we we're actually experiencing some kind of weird things as Patreon is showing us that uh, people who are patrons are, are signing up again, but they're already patrons. So we're not exactly sure what's going on here. Uh, if we have missed you and you have joined, be sure to send us an email or a message uh, or a pigeon or whatever and let us because we want to make sure uh, we're giving shout outs to all of our new patron members. And if you'd like to be part of that team, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit and enjoy some really cool rewards, uh, one of which being the after show. John, what is up, my man? Oh, finally moved, Brad. Finally out of the old shop. Uh, it no. is. Uh, so you get a new background. It's like there's there's actually light behind you. It's kind of odd. There's sunlight in parts of this shop. I have a window. <clears throat> My office uh, currently is actually facing what will be the shared showroom of the new shop. It's pretty sweet. So I've been. Um, I think I, I dropped a couple vlogs. Um, when this will air, there should be one or one or two more out. Um, based on my like whole shop build out and remodel and stuff. So I'm just cranking through that, man, trying to catch up on a couple things for the holidays and hit my, uh, hit my sponsorship fulfillments before the end of the year. Cause, uh, when you have to pick your whole shop up and move it six weeks before you were expecting to, it kind of throws a wrench into your business plan for the end of the year. But, uh, I think I'm doing a decent job of staying afloat and I'm really looking forward to not having to run back and forth to both shops anymore. Oh Yeah. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm really excited to uh, see it come along. Uh, I know you're, you just put out the one about putting up some walls and stuff, so it's going to be really cool to see the the finished space, and I know that you're going to have way more area over there, so I'm really excited to see how you get that set up. And one and, thing uh, that I think get you're going to like the most, my friend, is that I will have lights. Lights, better lights. John, I'm always telling John, I'm like, it's too dark, man. Get some consistent lighting. <laughs> Brad's, yes, always, so. Brad's always thinking about my uh, quality of my content. You know, I, just such, always, a, such a nice guy. Always looking out for you. Yeah, on, <laughs> on my end, man, I'm, I'm just finishing up some small projects, finished up the picture frames, and now I'm working on a, a small light that should be out as this airs, a, a little night light for my son type light, accent light. Not sure exactly what I'm going to call that thing, but it's going to look cool. Uh, and yeah, man, I, I'm just like, I'm, I'm already itching to get back to the shop projects. I've decided that 
2019 is going to be uh, the year of the shop project. Not that, you know, 2018 wasn't because I did a ton of shop projects, but I just love them. I just love everything about shop projects. And I'm I'm really wholesale looking, you know, seeing you move into your shop, especially uh, just gets me itching to reformat my shop and and kind of change everything around and, and use the new year as a good starting off point to, uh, you know, kind of change the layout, get a little bit more efficient. And because uh, I've been in the same layout for, you know, for a while, yeah. like I've, I've just had some minor things changed. So I think I'm ready for something new, man. I'm going to I'm going to try some new things. So I'm excited about that. I think the explosion of your one upper cabinet, too, is a sign that your shop needs some needs some new juice in it. And it, it wants you to fix it. <laughs> it does. Not just one. It cabinet, does. But all They're just falling off the wall. Oh, no. Believe me, the uh, the base cabinets on the other one, like the drawer slides literally like I don't say they disintegrated, but they rolled in like like the metal on the drawer slides, like literally just pulled off of the side <laughs> and it just like peeled in. I was like. I believe I've exceeded the uh, weight <laughs> rating for these <laughs> drawer slides, uh, which was probably like, you know, 30 pounds versus 100. So, but yeah, man, I, I want to get into uh, the show topic here. And so are robots running your business? We thought that would just be a fun title. And, uh, you know, growing up in in the era of uh, the Terminator movies, uh, if you guys, if you have not watched the Terminator series, I mean, for real, just like go binge all of them. Uh, during the holidays, because what a what a great series! But uh, we we want to hit on robots in the shop, man, and specifically, like we'll probably talk a lot about uh, CNC, but also hit three D printing and lasers and uh, some of the drawing programs that go with it. So we we hinted at the conversation of SketchUp versus Fusion three hundred and sixty, and we'll dive a little bit more into that. So uh, John, I, I know you know you have a nice sized CNC, so why don't you kick us off and like. You know, why Why do you have a, a CNC? What does it do for you? What do you plan on doing with it? Um, so, you know, for me, a CNC has always been uh, basically uh, me being a millennial and never being satisfied with what's going on. <laughs> because, like, you know, when I looked at the machine initially, it, it's a fantastic machine and I absolutely love it. I was considering, you know, the uh, imp- the addition of its w- service into my existing workflow as a custom furniture maker and how I could start to do, um, you know, batched parts and, and use the machine for some more uh, lettering and signage and stuff because I really do love um, branding and signage and whatnot. And then what ended up happening was uh, I'm just like completely overwhelmed now by it because there's so many capabilities, right? So... Um, you know, my, per- my my first piece of advice when it comes to CNCs is going to be understanding that it is learning and a, br- a brand new tool for a lot of people, right? And that it's not just adding a bigger bandsaw or adding a nicer joiner or planer to your shop or something like that. It is a brand new skill set that it becomes involved with your workflow. And for me, that was something I wasn't expecting. Um, I had a little bit of experience with one of the more affordable DIY put it together yourself for 36 hours and use a internet browser feature type machine. And that uh, software was super easy. You know, I have basic illustrator understandings and I was able to just pretty much draw something and then upload it to there and it would cut. And I knew nothing about, um, you know, the, the speed of the cutter head. I knew nothing about tool paths. I knew nothing about G code and I knew nothing about pretty much everything that goes on in the back end of, of CNC work. So getting into a more professional level CNC as the one I have, it was kind of overwhelming, you know, and, and 
to go with that, um, the, the CNC that I ended up getting has, uh, it requires a Mac, excuse me, a, a PC, and I have Mac everything, as you guys know. So that became another burden to the workflow for myself. Um, so as a custom producer of furniture and someone who makes their money on time allotted to creation of custom goods, the CNC ended up being a drag on the amount of time that I was able to put into making furniture because I had to learn a completely new tool and it wasn't immediately applicable to what I was doing. Um, so because of that, it's been a real slow implementation for me. And um, and it's something that with the new shop build and the new shop layout, me hiring Sam full time that I'm really, really looking forward to in 2019, getting my hands completely wrapped around learning how to use a CNC. And I think mine's like four access or four access or five access or something uh, compatible. So it can do uh, essentially 3D modeling with with a with a CNC, which is uh, an awesome feature to be able to include if you're trying to do any type of. Uh, you know, figured drawer fronts or uh, yeah, accented yeah. pieces that are going to be you on do some furniture, and stuff. basically. Yeah, yeah, and it and it so it it and it also has a lathe that you can add to it too to do some really cool turning projects. And I have never even ex- began to explore that. So, with that, as you can see, the capabilities of a CNC are pretty much endless at this point in the evolution of those machines. But what comes with that is the learning of a brand new skill set. So my first piece of advice is if you're going to be looking to get into any CNC work is to make sure that you understand it's going to be a big time investment to learn how to use it. Um, There's some really great resources out there. There's some really great CNC woodworkers out there that are absolutely crushing it. And I'm not talking just the basic stuff. Um, cutting shapes out. I'm talking doing some really intricate 3D molding type projects, casting those, reverse casting and pouring and doing some production level stuff um, that you couldn't do by hand uh, and really utilizing the tool uh, amazingly. If you guys saw, I'm trying to implement a little more if you saw that end table, sofa table thingy that I did um, for my living room, uh, I did a CNC pocket for that metal drawer pool and it turned out to be fantastic. So I'm looking forward to doing a lot more projects like that coming up in the future, but, um, definitely underestimated how much time I would have to invest in learning the tool and learning how to draw for it and learning how to export and do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and let's, so let's also kind of call a spade a spade, right? Like, uh, the, the entry level, right? There, there's the X carve and the shape Oko, which would be the consumer entry level. So I, I think the other thing that uh, you need to consider if you're if you're going to get a machine is what are you going to use it for? Because I've seen, uh, and I, I think those machines are those machines are great. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I and just from seeing people use them, I, it, it's a great entry level, and it allows you to do things that you can't do. But if you are looking for production. Those are probably not the machines that you're going to want in the sense of output, because uh, I know, you know, when looking at a couple guys out there who have had X carves or shape Ocos and then have upgraded. So, John, you have what the Axiom, right? And so I think there's the Axiom and I think Laguna has one that's kind of the same. Mm -hmm. And so does Powermatic that they're kind of the same machine, just rebranded. But they're very, very different, too. Like John mentioned, um, you know, the the. The first two are you know, very easy to use, especially XCarve, because they've got the uh, internet-based browser, and you can kind of pick up that and go. Whereas, like these other machines, like more of the production style, and 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 I don't know what if if you know the numbers on them, John, but um, I mean I'm thinking that they are 
five to six times faster. Like you can run the, you can run the head faster. You can move it faster. Uh, and you can run it all day because it's a, you know, water cooled spindle versus a, basically a, a, just a handheld router that they've strapped into the machine. Right. Yeah. So I had an inventables X carve when it first came out. Um, and the hiccups I ran into was just that I don't like building machines and I don't really know how to maintain them. Um, but the software was super easy to use. It was easy to get started. I just couldn't troubleshoot it and ended up putting it on a shelf and never going back to it. Um, since then, you know, when I looked into the axiom and wanting to implement that into what I'm building and what I'm doing, um, the machine is, it's a pro level machine. It's a pro grade machine. And so with that, you've got, um, an integral, uh, spindle, which is a spindle built for the machine. You're not, like you said, strapping a router onto the machine, um, with variable speed and trying to dial it in that way. This thing has all the controls are ported to the machine itself. Um, and to the CPU. So that way you can control it all from that. The, uh, it's like input uh, controller type Hickam and Dewey, um, as well as it's got uh, the table is balanced way different um, to keep it level. And it's actually like super, right. it's and insanely it's like, precise. It's like it, it, an aircraft it's, uh, grade extruded precision. aluminum. Aluminum? aluminum? It's Al- extruded aluminum. Aluminium. 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 Yes, for our friend Alex Steele. Yes, uh, yes, ex- extruded aluminium. Uh, right. So it, it's it's just a whole different level. Uh, so you know, if you are thinking of, because uh, I know, like one of the things I've seen that, uh, and then even from there, you can go to like, and I don't, and I know also like the iconic CNC kind of probably falls somewhere in between those two, and then uh, that next level, you're starting to talk about Shopbot. Uh, like full, you know, four by eight yeah. sheets. So yours is two by four, right, John? There's two by four and they also make a four by four model. And I think that okay. like a couple of the things you need to be considering when you're, when you're looking at a CNC or you're looking to add it to your shop is that, that square footage it's going to take up there. Right. Oh, and I think that's one thing yes. for you, right? I mean, with all the limited space that you have and, uh, and I'm hoping we, you get into some CNC work in 2019 with the re with the new layout, but like, you know, you, you couldn't, I, I've been in your shop. There's nowhere for you to put even a two by four, which is a smaller than you know, footprint than the three by three or the four by eight or four by four kind of machine. So you definitely want to be considering that when you are looking at a CNC, because yes, we all want the capabilities to do like the biggest things possible. But when it comes down to it, it take up a ton of, ton, ton of right. footage. And if it's going to be, and that's where I think that a lot of people do get caught, caught up is they think it's really cool. Like, I remember when they came out, man. I remember when the Shape Oko came out, like the original kind of hobby. Like, it was run off a, like, literally a Dremel, like a knockoff Dremel. And then the Shape Oko 2 came out, and it was, and I was so close to pulling the trigger on the Shape Oko 2, and I didn't. Uh, And and then, you know, now they've come a long way, and even, like, the new X-Car versus the old one, and the Shape Oko, basically, 3, which is the current Shape Oko model. Like, they're they're a lot better than they've ever been. Uh, And... And if you're going to use it for like just kind of messing around, making jigs, hobby type stuff that's not production, um, those are great machines to do that. Mm-hmm. If you're going to use it for production, you can still do that. There's some great businesses. And if even if you go like on the Inventable site, they do actually a really, really good job of of showing um, how different people are using it in their shop. And uh, so you can go check that out and they give you some kind of business models and ideas. So lots of things uh, on a small scale. 
uh, and it's, you know, things that don't need to get a lot of material hogged out, all that kind of stuff. But if you're looking to do cabinetry and stuff like that, uh, I've got a buddy here that's local in Nashville. He runs a two by 10 or excuse me, a four by 10 shop bot. And he does like all that stuff you're talking about, John. He does like production signage and stuff and just he is knocking out stuff crazy amount, but he has that dedicated space. So if you're going to get it, make sure you understand because that's that's exactly where I'm at John, is what John just said is that um, I, you know, I'm looking where, where would I put this? And I've kind of got an idea of where I would put one. Um, and I've actually gone down the road of getting into one and then we kind of stalled out. But, uh, that, that's my biggest concern is make sure the trade-off that you're going to get for it. Don't get it just because you think it's cool and you get a good deal on it and you get some financing or whatever, like make sure you have like a legitimate plan and, uh, think about the space it's going to take up in your shop and know that you're going to be able to use that uh, and that it's not going to be used one, like you said, John, you know, use it once every three months. Like that's not going to be a good trade off like that in a year from now, you're going to be going, why did I buy this thing? And all it's doing is taking up shop space that uh, and now I can't add this other tool that I actually could use, you know, or upgrade to it, you know, get a drum sander or whatever it is, uh, because it takes up valuable, valuable floor space. Uh, and, and it's a big commitment that you don't want to you don't want to look at lightly. Yeah, and it's almost 100% uh, space that will be dedicated to single usage, you know, and, and we, right. we try to um, quantify tools going in other spaces and then, you know, supplement them with things like your flip top tool station. You know, you can get two for one, the, some of the bigger machines. But like, yeah, I've seen flip top tables for CNCs and stuff, but like I would completely stay away from those just because of leveling and all the issues that can go into that. But you pretty much are going to give up the space for the CNC. Um, if you're going to be using, especially a pro grade level CNC. And, um, and so with that, you know, there are the upsides to it, right? And there are the abilities to make some really good money and make a, you know, build a, a legitimate business around your ability to use a CNC. Um, and if you look at someone like our buddy Izzy Swan, who he's got, I, who even knew he had so much CNC experience. Um, but when he was up in Michigan for the last year or so, he was just cranking out projects on that thing. And um, you can really see how someone who you kind of spins and twists their design process to use the tool, the machine itself, can really, really get some stuff done quickly. Because as the machine's working, you can be working on design. And business, right. businesses make money when you're in that design phase. You know, that, that is the top level function of a business. So... Um, that's something you also want to be considering if you're going to be getting into the CNC or any of these Skynet uh, type, <laughs> you know, machines yeah. is that are that's you, the benefit. are you designing to use the machine, right? Are you designing in order to utilize a process that machine can do for you instead of designing things and then saying, oh, well, I could, I can use a bandsaw here and a drill press here and, you know, I can finish it up on my random orbit you know, or oscillating spindle sander, you know? A CNC is something that you have to think about in two dimensions and then grow into three dimensions, um, especially if you're doing, you know, furniture builds and whatnot. And, and so using that to your advantage and tailoring your process to learn how to draw and design for the machine is another factor for for how to use it. And some guys are really fast. Uh, Jay Bates just got one and he was a couple weeks later, you know, cranking out projects on it. I believe he has yeah. a background in CNC and 3D modeling and all that stuff, uh, which is why he's such a beast in in SketchUp, essentially. Um, but, you know, there's there is a hiccup there and, and kind of leaning into the next part of this is 
Um, you know, wh what program you're using to drawing right now could possibly be a hindrance on your ability to use a CNC. Um, right. And, you know, SketchUp being one of those. SketchUp is not the easiest program to export to CNCs. And there are ways to do it. I'm not saying that. But, you know, it's it's just not the best program out there and does have some issues, I would say, that go into it, especially if your entire process on in drawing on SketchUp is all conceptual exterior objects you know breaking that down in the parts can become a huge time suck for for your business yeah and, and so before we dive super deep in the software thing i mean so the biggest benefit which i want to make sure we hit on is um the biggest biggest benefit you're going to get obviously is that a machine that can work while you're not attending to it you know i mean there's a certain amount that you have to obviously keep an eye on it and switch things out but the allure and the draw and where the benefit comes is that it's doing work while you're doing other work, right? So you can be, and if you do get set up into this, a production flow, like you said, John, you, you have to, so coming off, and that's another thing I think that there's a common misconception is that coming off the CNC, you, you know, you just have this like finished part, Well, that's not true at all. Uh, you know, at a minimum, you're going to have to cut off the tabs. So tabs are uh, you know, a piece that you have to, so if you're drawing, if you're going to cut out a circle, uh, you have to have little tabs. If you think about it, anything like a perforated, like if you buy, uh, a, you buy a toy for your kid and you're popping it out of like the plastic surrounding, uh, because basically if that CNC is cutting around it, as soon as it cuts that last piece away, then the part is going to jam into the, the cutter head and then just destroy it or shoot it out. So there's these tabs that keep it in place and then you cut them loose, you cut the parts loose. So there's that. And then there's the sanding from there. Uh, and the level of detail, depending upon what machine you have and what bits you're using, if you are doing any type of carving, you know, you're probably going to have to clean that up by hand. So, uh, that's another thing. Make sure that you really understand what it is. But all that being said, it does a great job of doing that, but you have to, it, it's only as good as the creator. Mm -hmm. And that is <laughs> dependent upon how you do it in SketchUp. And then there's ways again, that you can design for production. And so there's, uh, and I don't know any of them, but I'm sure there's tons and tons of forums and things where, um, you know, they'll give you tips and pointers and there's, uh, because and I come from a manufacturing background. So they do, we used to run like, yeah, five axis Haas CNC milling machines that would do, you know, aluminum and, uh, all this crazy stuff in the aircraft industry. And, um, you know, that stuff was down to just a science. And so when you, when you design your parts, whether you're using SketchUp or Fusion, Fusion 360, uh, and the tool paths that you use. And so like if you're converting out of SketchUp, which is not a native CNC uh, you know, design software, that now you have to go put that into. And uh, basically whatever software you put that into, it has to decide, okay, how am I going to cut this? And like like you said, John, if you're living in a 2D world, that's that's fairly easy, right? It's not, you know, a tool path is a tool path. And then you're only basically uh, wasting time moving in between the cuts. Uh, but if you're starting to talk about um, stack ups and how parts fit together and then and getting a, you know, 3D type model, then you're going to have to make sure that you're doing it correctly. And if you're not using like what probably the most popular one is, is V-Carve. Is that what you're using, John? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that would be the most professional, the most popular professional one uh, that I've heard a lot of folks using. And, uh, and, and that will help you out a lot, but there's a learning curve there. And it's not, uh, so can you, do you import? So like, what's your workflow, John? Do you, 
Sketch, do you go in SketchUp? Or are you now hitting Fusion? Or are you going straight into VCarve? Like, how does how does that work? Is, is V because I'm not even familiar with it. Do you import into VCarve or start in VCarve? So it depends on what you're doing. Like, VCarve is you can draw on it and you can create things, you can do letters, you can essentially mock up. Like, if you have a board, say, and you want to engrave your name on a cutting board, like that, you can do directly in VCarve. But if you want to do some, like, I guess, uh, pockets or something that have, um, more than two dimensions to them, you're going to have to draw that in another program and import it. So for me, what I've been doing is learning Fusion 360 and then um, importing that into uh, VCarve. And then in VCarve has a modeling section that you can then run a basic toolpath for rough cutting and then a finished toolpath, which uh, ends up being pretty close to a final part. And I think that's a huge difference in the entry level to pro level CNCs is that mine, because it has you know, this uh, very well built and high end spindle and uh, it's it's cool that it can run uh, very long toolings and come off the machine and need very, very minimal hand sanding and very minimal um, attention after that to be ready to go out the door kind of thing. Um, there's a couple Instagrammers that are crushing it with a 3D modeling on uh, specifically the Axiom itself. And, uh, and, and, you know, but that's something that you, it takes a lot of time. I mean, I put probably 12 hours into just learning modeling on Fusion 360 and then another couple hours into exporting. And when you add that into the middle of your workflow, as well as like where your brain's at while you're doing something else, you know, you can't be fully invested and I'm pretty slow with the actual drawing process in Fusion to still to right now. So uh, there's just, there's a ton that goes into it. And, and I, and I feel like it's something that if you're looking at it as a supplement to woodworking, it's a great skill set to have, mm-hmm. but Absolutely. it is exact. It is almost its own, like its own thing, you know, CNCing in woodworking. Yeah. They're tangential, but like they're very different in workflow. They're very different in knowledge. They're very different in um, the, you know, the, the design. And so for me, it's been um, trying to marry and learn both of these. And on top of that, also learning metalworking, get better at my hand tool woodworking. So you can see how, you know, it could become difficult. But once you get the hang of it and once you start to get into it, it does become addicting. It is a blast. I think it's so much fun to be able to implement into your work. Um, and I was, you know, working towards getting more projects done before I moved the shop. And I'm definitely going to be doing more here in the future. Um, but with that's come that time investment. So if, if you're a production, you know, individual and you're trying to sell product, um, it is a great addition to your products, but just be ready to put a long nights in the learning and drawing because it's a whole other process. And you're also going to be starting to invest in, you know, quality bits, um, understanding tool paths. You're going to be running a lot of test material. Um, and you know, you need to make sure that you have proper calipers and, and, and depth gauges and things like that to make sure you're measuring material thicknesses and, um, a lot more involved in, instead of just plugging something in, pulling it right off of the machine. Um, if you're going to be doing intricate stuff, like you said, flat yeah. lay 2d, 2d, you know, you can use a V V groove bit or an up, an up spiral bit and pretty much cut whatever you want. Um, but if you want to get into the wild, you know, pretty cool looking contours con- and yeah, yeah. But I, and, and I do, I think that is uh, the beauty, especially of the entry level ones, because you can get into those for, for pretty cheap, relatively like a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks. It's like pocket holes. It gets you in, right. you know, and you get, you get rocking and rolling and it's and a you great can way to get into it. Yes. 
if you're if you are in small goods, um, I, I would I know a ton of folks that are doing that, or I've seen a ton of folks. I don't personally know them necessarily uh, who add that so that they can customize because that's a huge upsell, right? If you go from doing a cutting board and then now you go and you say, hey, now I'll add your name on this thing, and that's a fifteen dollar upcharge, like you know, and and you carve out their last name or whatever along the edge, you know, and a juice groove or something like that. Uh, and you charge, you know, 10 bucks for the juice groove and 15 bucks for the engraving, all of a sudden you've just value added 25 bucks uh, where you're not putting in any more materials. You do, you know, you're going to have the consumables of the actual machine, but your time, you your time is going to be in the loading of the machine and then obviously the programming. Uh, but, you know, that reward for that 25 bucks, as you get into the the flow of it, you know, I don't know how long that's going to take you, but I, I mean, I'm assuming that you could probably get that in under, let's say if you're, you know, your hourly rate is 50 bucks an hour, you should easily be able to do that in under a half hour of your actual time invested. Uh, you know, I, I would imagine you would probably only have maybe 10 minutes in, into it as far as like, again, loading and, and then the machine, who knows how long that runs, but uh, you get that now, all of a sudden you start layering that into your work. Um, it's just a great value add, not only for the money, but so that people will come to you. So again, having, you know, as a, as a, um, as a product creator, you're always trying to, to project to your customer, what can you give them that they can't get from other people? What's the value add? What's your value proposition? We always talk about that. So if they look at, uh, the things that you're making and you're making cutting boards and, and signs and charcuterie boards and all these other things, and then you say, Oh, by the way, like if, if you want it, I can engrave like whatever you want in there. Yeah. That's like no problem. Now, like you're offering something that other people aren't. And there's a ton of people out there doing that right now, but there's also a ton of people that aren't. So, so everybody that's doing that has now differentiated themselves away. And now, you know, another thing that I've been seeing that's, that's actually pretty cool is like engraving. Uh, so making a recess, then filling it with, you know, epoxy or filling it with some, uh, an, another inlay material. So maybe you have a walnut cutting board and then you can do an inlay of words. Uh, when I had, a when I was working with a, a guy over from Powermatic who, when they first got their CNC, he made me like an inlaid, the reverse sign for fix this, build that. And I was using it like on, on videos and stuff. So like when I had a reverse image, it would show the correct way. And it was walnut with inlaid maple. So you can do all these really cool inlays and things like that, um, that, you know, really the sky's the limit as far as your create creativity and using different material mixes and inlaying metal and, and all these great things. So, uh, you could do some really awesome things. And I, I think that for the price of getting into an entry-level machine, it does offer you a lot, again, going back to all those, but you have to consider what you have to invest to get that. Shop space, time invested, learning, software, all those things. And I, I think one other thing too, John, that a lot of people don't consider is the noise. Yeah. They think, oh, I can, I can let this thing run while I'm doing other things. Well, guess what? You're going to have a router screaming in your ear the mm -hmm. entire time that you're in your shop yeah, and and that's not pleasant. No, no. So, it, I mean, that's why you'll see some people running it in a completely separate building. And, and, you know, so with that, I, I absolutely love what you just touched on there. And that's exactly why I got one. That's exactly what I wanted to be doing. Um, I've made a pretty good amount of money doing um, custom laser and CNC work because my CNC actually has the ability to have a laser um, added to it, which is really, really cool and a great um, you know, and a great addition to any shop, I think, especially with us as, as woodworkers, but, um, another 
you know, cool little upsell for custom engraving or custom name plating, gifting, or whatever you want to do with it. Um, so if you're looking to get into the entry level type machines, just be cognizant of everything Brad just said. It's not like going to buy a bigger tool of something you already know how to use. You you got to put the time into learning it and the time um, into you know get, getting the kinks out and all the stuff that goes into designing and software and whatnot. But the minute you can wrap your brain around using the tool to supplement your existing workflow, the sky's the limit. And that's I think what's fantastic about all these like computer um, and, and computer based tools that, that are out there now is that if you can learn it and you can get your brain wrapped around it, the there's pretty much infinite capabilities of what you can do. I mean, look at the, look at how far 3D printing's come and, and how consumable it is now as well. And, um, you know, segueing into that, look at the stuff that our, our buddy Bob's doing and look at the stuff that yeah. you know, Evan ben, and ben Caitlin is doing, you know, and, and they're running, Evan and Caitlin make a, make some really, really cool stuff. It's super simple sometimes, sometimes super complex, but they use that for a long time to make some money. And, you know, they were using it for molding and, and all kinds of like really cool business additions and um they have a techie background i would say like <laughs> i think they're actually really adapted to the technology but with that i think that there's so many capabilities out there now that it can also become overwhelming right yeah yeah i think there are and you have to pick where you where you go because like and i we didn't really touch on this but the laser so like yeah you know, i've had a laser machine sitting in my shop for like two years uh and i've used it you know, a dozen times. Like it's it, because I awesome did some coasters. <laughs> I, well, that, I told this story. I think I told it on like uh, the Green Woodworker podcast. Um, shout out to Donnie Carter there. And uh, I, I was like, yeah, I was, I had this vision and I, I got it from a sponsored project. And I was like, I was super excited about laser. And I was like, yes, like laser, freaking laser beams and yes. sharks with lasers on their heads. And, uh, and I got it. And yeah, so coasters, I, I grabbed, uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to get some quarter inch plywood. Uh, I'm going to do customized coasters. And I did like the Tennessee state uh, logo, like uh, the, the TriStar logo, mm-hmm. and, which is like in the middle of our flag. And I was I like, these would be project. awesome. Oh yeah. 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 If you go out there, it's, it's on my YouTube channel. And uh, I did it and I made like, I, I made like at least 50 of them. I made some large number because I was like, Hey, I, I this thing will work while I'm not, while I'm sleeping, you know? And, and so I get all these things and, uh, and then I get done and I'm like, oh, I still got to like, I got to hand sand all these mm-hmm. and I've got to finish every single one of them and like multiple, you know, because it's like a coaster. So you want to protect it. And I put in so much time into those. <laughs> this is like one of those ideas that you think, and, you know, you're coming out the other end with a coaster that you can sell for, you know, three or four dollars. Right. So a set of them for 12 or 15 bucks. Uh, and I was like this was the worst business decision I ever made. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that was my, my first and only run of, of coasters. But uh, the time when I do use the laser, and I still use it occasionally, uh, is it's fantastic for uh, personalized, customized plaques and stuff like that. So I've made plaques uh, when I've coached my son's soccer team. I'll make them plaques at the end of the year and uh, do things like that. And, and laser engraving, That I, I think that is by far the easiest way for a for a business owner to implement both CNC and uh, laser is customization of products you're already doing. And then obviously you can build from there. I, I think CNC is is much more, you know, as far as it can actually produce and cut things, CNC uh, laser can as well, but only very, you know, you, you have to be 
definitely under a quarter inch and, and some of the machines need to be under an eighth of an inch to actually cut. But you can, you know, you can cut paper, you can cut leather. Um, and there's a lot of really cool things you can do, but I don't think they're quite as useful as a, as a CNC and, uh, you know, 3d printing, we'll see where that goes, but I see a lot of really cool applications. Actually, um, our buddy, Johnny, uh, Brooke, he, he did something really cool. I don't know if you saw it, John, the floating, he, uh, uh, no, that was awesome. But he did yeah those floating succulent planters, but he did, uh, recently he made molds. He 3d printed molds for epoxy resin casting. And then he put uh, some little wooden stoppers in there and then like pressure cast them. And then he put it on the lathe and then just turned the 3D printing filament right off. So he basically made a cylinder. And then once he got on the the lathe, he just turned the the filament off. And so it was like he was able to make this almost like disposable uh, turning blank. And, you know, I don't know if that's cost effective, but it was a really cool application. It was like he just made, you know, he wanted to cast resin and he didn't have the exact mold he needed. So he just 3D printed it. And then it's so soft that you can just, you know, use the lathe tools right on it and then just got right down to the uh, the epoxy in the wood. So, uh, you know, I think things like that, thinking outside the box and how can you incorporate 3D printing uh, not only into the finished product like Evan and Caitlin do, but to help you make other finished products that there's actually no 3D printing in it at all, but you're, printing a jig or you're printing some type of holding device or, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Jigs and fixtures are huge when it comes to any type of pneumatic or computer, whatever the end, what's the end stand for? <laughs> but uh, numeric, numeric, <laughs> any of those numeric tools, because you're able to get extremely precise, right? right? So because of that, you're able to hit tolerances that are very, very difficult by hand. Um, and that's kind of why, you know, I have a 3d printer. I haven't been able to use it because the software wasn't applicable to my setup as on my computer until last week, oh, which is, which is sweet. Um, so, uh, that, and it takes up a very small footprint. You know, I can keep it in the yeah. office compared to having it in the shop. Um, I can also batch things out very quickly. The consumables are really, really affordable with it. And then there's tons of plastics. There's lots of information out there. So, you know, I can even put the, 3d printer at the house and play around with that when I'm not at the shop because they're not together yeah. for me. So like, and it's no fumes too, right? Yes. I mean, that's like a CNC a laser. So a CNC, um, for wood, obviously lots of dust. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you need to make sure you've got good dust collection, a laser CNC, you've got smoke because it is literally burning the wood. Uh, so you have to vent outside for that. A 3d printer is, I mean, for all intents and purposes, yeah, it's like a microwave. It's like a radio. Like you just plug it in and it's just, you know, in the back, you know, it's just that hum of that noise. And again, you need to monitor it if you have a, a you know, a blowout and you have a clog in your printer head or whatever, um, you're going to have issues. But it's it's not, you know, I don't, even if something went just crazy bad, like you're going to waste, uh, you know, some money in filament, but it's not going to like burn down your house or fill it with smoke or fill it with wood dust. So you can put it anywhere. Yeah. Which is makes it easy, super consumable. And I think there's some really affordable options out there now. I know matter hackers um, is a great company that has a lot of resources for stuff like that. Yeah. And um, they make 3d printing really, really approachable, which is so cool. And, and that's kind of like why we wanted to talk about this episode, this, this concept of robots <laughs> quickly, because yeah, you know, neither one of us use them a ton, but both of us want to. And I think both of us really look for those um, advantages in customization as well as 
complexity of what we're building and what we're making. And uh, I really do think that using a CNC or a laser or a 3D printer can add just a wow element to any type of product that you're doing, whether it's content or custom. Um, and that if you're looking to get into it, just make sure that you're considering the design process that's associated with those. There's a lot more of a learning curve than there is with a standard tool upgrade um, in that if you, you know, if you're willing to put the time and the effort into getting those things down, that you can really, really, really set yourself apart from the competition um, by, by getting into this kind of stuff. And that, I mean, I'm a big fan. I like how it's making, you know, the maker community tighter and closer um, when it yeah. used to be, you know, woodworkers, metal workers, or, and then there was, 3D printing, CNC, and all that kind of stuff is on the outside. It's becoming its own like morphed concept and, and making this community a lot stronger. So I'm a big fan. I'm really looking forward to doing a lot more of it here in the future. Um, and, and, you know, if you have any questions or anything and you want to hit me up personally, um, you know, come shoot me a DM on Instagram. I'll answer any questions you have. Um, I get it. I get it a ton in all honesty, and I'm always willing to help uh, if you if you're wondering about my personal experience or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I mean, the, the, the takeaway, I think you get two things. One, you get the customization, which you just hit on, John. And two, you get the automation. And if you if you set it up correctly and the value in that automation, you know, the, the longer, the more intricate the design, the more, you know, the longer that machine runs, the more value you're getting out of it. Right. Because that's all the work that you didn't have to do. So uh, absolutely uh, excited to see where it goes. And the beauty of it as well is that the support network, I think, like you said, John, it, there's a lot more people doing it, but uh, just by the nature of CNC and that stuff is it's so much easier to get help online, like versus me calling you and saying, John, I'm having trouble cutting this hand cut dovetail. Like <laughs> you can't be like, let me send you the code for that. Like, you know, <laughs> let, let me look at you like versus, you know, I could say, John, like what, what did I do with this G code? Or what did, like, can you look at this drawing? And like, I could actually send it to somebody and they could actually edit it and send it back to me. That's there's a lot of beauty in that so that even though the learning is steep, uh, being able to be helped uh, is very easy because of the online nature of it. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're super excited about the prospects for it. And uh, hopefully you'll see more of that from us here in, in 2019. But we'd love to hear uh, your opinions as well. So hit us up and uh, hit us on Instagram and, and in the Facebook group and let us know what you're doing and how it's incorporating into your business. Yeah, for sure. Excited about uh, the future of Brad's technology dive in 2019. I know. Skynet will become activated soon. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to head over to the after show and we will catch you guys on the next episode. Peace. Peace.